Welcome into the Sports Channel 8 podcast here in the Sports Channel 8 studios in the heart of Durham. We've got a great guest today, Andrew Carter, to talk about himself some. We want to know about Andrew, but we also want to know about his experiences covering UNC and the UNC NCA investigation. Story of the decade. But before we get to Andrew and a lot of other things there, let's grab Ben Swain and let's talk about eight big headlines in North Carolina sports this week. Ben, let's start here. Are we really done with the UNC scandal? Is it really over? Is it over? I'm skeptical. Like, it feels weird that it's not here There's got to be something else, There's right? There's got to be something else. There's, They're going to slip up now. My life's right? not complete without a UNC now. scandal. Um, I keep thinking about, uh, you know, the scene in Goodfellas after the big heist. When people just and, and people start start spending all the money. Right. Yeah, I feel like that's what's going to happen now. They get, they get a little loose with it. Yeah. Uh, well, also the good thing is we do have a looming FBI investigation that we're not trying to tie to UNC, nope. but it looks like it could go anywhere. And but it'd know, be good for us if it did. If it could go anywhere, it's going to make its way to UNC, so that we <laughs> could just keep this thing going a little bit longer. So, um, all right. But question number two: What was your favorite moment overall of the UNC scandal? Which I probably should have given some background if you hadn't heard after all the investigation and everything and all the names and all the looks ins and the multiple NOAs and the multiple self reports and the NCAs and the COIs and all these things we learned UNC got no penalties and they determined it was not really something that was an NCAA matter what was your favorite moment of it all it's a tie between two and one's a cop-out answer okay The, the cop out answer is the start of it at all because it began on an NC State message board. Yes. Which is the greatest thing ever. The seven years of investigations involving many different parties, national news stories, all started from a single tweet from Marvin Austin that was misinterpreted yep. by NC State fans on Pack Pride and then it turned into this big whole story. When they do the 30 for 30 on this whole thing, I don't know who they're going to get from Pack Pride specifically to talk, but whoever that person is, there'll be a lot of weight on their shoulders to properly represent Pac Pride's role in this whole thing. But if I'm going to give a legitimate answer, uh, I don't want anyone to ever forget that UNC's ex-chancellor, Holden Thorpe, committed an NCAA violation by mentioning Butch Davis's son, who was an unsigned recruit at the time. <laughs> and so somebody asked him a question about would after they fired Butch, would his, his son, son still come to UNC? And he commented on it and mentioned Butch Davis's kid by name. Then the next day had to self-report a secondary NCAA violation, the chancellor of UNC. Nobody wanted less to do with an <laughs> athletic scandal at his school nope. than Holden Thorpe. I mean, everything from looking at that guy to, you know, again, I'm sure he's a nice, bright guy, but just looking like a guy who didn't want to deal with an athletic scandal. I mean, I think he was like a chemistry teacher by trade, you know, and then when you when he got, when, when we started doing the deep dive doxing on him, they found videos of him speed doing a Rubik's Cube. I mean, this is a guy that now whose career was not ruined, but, you know, side trailed, side railed, derailed, sidetracked. I don't know what word I'm looking for there put off the track by an athletic scandal and a guy who did not see it coming or was not prepared to handle it uh that's an excellent answer for your favorite moment all right let's move on to sports that are still happening and nc state is still winning okay i don't want to scare people i don't want to put too much pressure on every single game as we go on and now it even looks like clemson might be beatable it's so big that cole kubelik is talking smack again about his yes. back to the college yes. playoff uh 
prediction. My question to you. Ben Swain, after last week when NC State was devastated to find out that UNC got no sanctions, it's the worst loss on their college football resume this uh, this college football season, will NC State losing to Virginia in the ACC title game surpass the UNC NCAA non-sanctions as the worst moment in NC State athletics? No, because uh, the, the way that the divisions are set up, they still get to claim a division title. Atlantic title. All right, what if, but what if but they lose to Wake, for example, if they lose to Wake and don't win the Atlantic. But after all this, like after they beat this, Clemson, beat yeah. Florida State, beat Louisville. Beat Notre Dame. Let's say they even beat Notre Dame somehow, next weekend. Somehow and lose, lose to Wake. To Wake or lose to Carolina. All right, or both. Or both. Well, all right, but what if what if a win in the ACC title game, like the way that, the, that everything else works out, would put them in the college football playoff? I mean, that validates them more than it. They don't have to win it. No. If they go not. to it, it's <laughs> yeah. the most validating NC State athletic moment since a national uh, basketball championship. Right. I bet you you'd have some state fans saying that it was bigger, that it, that uh, that making it to the college football player was bigger than a basketball title. Some fans would argue that. What if they were in that AC title game against a Virginia team that they obviously would laugh at and Isn't stumbling keeps them out of the, the playoff? That would be pretty huge, right? <sighs> That'd be worse than finding out that Carolina was going to get Nothing, right? Yeah, and then we'd have to listen to Virginia fans too. Uh, so, come on, that, no, that, that's a totally separate discussion about yeah. hearing them with the ACC. <laughs> um, all right, question number four: The Carolina Panthers lost on Thursday night to the Eagles. It's Thursday night game, so you don't put too much stock in it. Yeah. It's whatever. And we had two weird, fluky turnovers. One who got hurt. One that was like an interception on a bobbled ball. Right. Kickley got hurt. Yeah, two bad turnovers inside the red zone. Um, but Cam Newton continues to look like the pocket passer that some believed he could not be he's got that uh, completion percentage way up this year especially if you throw out that first rust game which is basically like a preseason game for him because he didn't play in the preseason my question to you is cam selfishly proving himself as a pocket passer hurting our running game do we need the 100 yard rusher cam newton back absolutely i mean what we had like 10 rushing yards from the running back position or something ridiculous like that against the eagles it's all cam's fault and and i don't know if it's I can't answer if it's if it's leadership or if it's that he's just focusing on being a pocket passer. But either way, it's his fault that we can't run the football. It's definitely his fault. My, see, my question always when people would rank him and you know, try to say, well, I've got Cam Newton as like the 13th best quarterback because they would look at some like passing <laughs> stat and be like, all right, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. If he is the, you know, if you're just, if you're going to totally ignore that the fact that he runs the ball into the end zone twice a game and gains like you know, three first downs and rushing every year, if you can ignore that and totally take those stats out and just say Cam is Quarterback. The pure quarterback yeah. is the ninth best quarterback or whatever, then fine. Then he is also at the very same time the third best running back in the league or whatever in those years. You know, you know what I mean? Like if, <laughs> if we're gonna take away that skill from being a quarterback, then we're just gonna have to give it to him for being a running back when you look at how many times he runs for touchdowns, how many times he gets first downs. So he is either, you know, a top five combined quarterback because he does so much of that position or he's a barely top 10 quarterback and a probably top five running back in the league based yep. on when he runs. Uh, One other quick point is the NFL needs to change their replay rules that if a play is as badass as Cam's dive over the pylon that was obviously a touchdown but they couldn't over, over <laughs> right, right. that's got to be a touchdown by rule. If I don't something know. is so cool. I don't, know how, 
how there wasn't enough evidence to make that one a touchdown, but there was enough evidence to overturn that Patriots one this this <sighs> week that not only involved taking a touchdown away from the uh, touchdown away from the Jets, it involved the ball, the ball to the, ball to the Patriots. Patriots. Yeah. I don't know how that the, in the same world Cam's wouldn't be a touchdown and that other one would be a fumble going to the Patriots, maybe because it's the Patriots. Uh, topic five. Yeah, let's go to number five, and we go back to NC State. Okay, more okay. NC State because they're going to win the title. They're going to they're going to win the Atlantic. And let's be honest, if we're going to yeah. talk about college football in North Carolina right it's now, we, be we have State, to talk right? about NC State. So uh, when, when Duke and North Carolina both won Coastal Division championships, all the talk was about divisional alignment, right? How unfair it was to be in the Atlantic. Yep. But tell me this: How is this year different with State winning the Atlantic, which they're going to do? With Florida State being down, Clemson rebuilding, uh, Louisville being the worst team in the conference with the best player that makes them kind of like a, an average team. Uh, how is that any different? The Atlantic is is not good this year. State's going to win it. Uh, can we just admit that divisions are completely irrelevant and it's cyclical and some teams are good, some teams are bad from one year to the next? Can we just admit that now? Yeah, it would help if it would if we could have this like two or three years in a row um, because, you know, Clemson has basically been the, the, the change in the balance of power. You know, like when, when it was Florida State was the only good team over there and everybody else looked like they were beatable, um, it, it was one thing. But when all of a sudden it, it looks like, man, we've got two national programs here, Clemson and Clemson's good now, guys. They're not supposed to be good. That made it look bad. But no, we're even reminded that, like, yes, Clemson can lose any conference game. They lost to Pittsburgh last year. They lost to Syracuse this year. Quit whining about divisions. It's up and down. Um, and we still don't know how good some of these teams are. Miami might be the best team in the conference. Obviously, they have had some close wins, but they've also had some weird circumstances being around their team. When it's all said and done, they might be the best team, uh, and they might for a couple of years. So we'll see if the balance of power shifts yeah. for a longer time. Can't than. argue with you. The division conversation is just is just stupid just and, and played out. But hey, if you get those Atlantic Division uh, Champs t-shirts and those Coastal Division Co-Champ Bowl rings, baby. That's right. It's good swag uh next question it, the nhl metropolitan division is unfair do the canes ever have a chance or does the nhl need to realign their divisions i uh i love the carolina hurricanes i'm a big fan of raleigh hockey um i go to the team because i like pro sports being in raleigh i couldn't tell you uh what teams are in the metropolitan division swain i don't so you'll have to tell me there's uh there's the the uh the, the the Pittsburgh team. So check out section three twenty eight uh, for all your uh, great hockey stuff. No, what is? Are, uh, there's is, that Canadian team. Is the Metropolitan Division crushing it, or is that was that sarcastic? No, 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 no. It's. See, it, I don't know enough hockey. I'm. I know hockey so poorly that I'm missing a good joke here. No, the, for the Hurricanes to make the playoffs, they're they're going to always have to be better than like the Caps, the Penguins. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. It's a very strong division, and 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 our. So it's like being in the Atlantic Division of the ACC. It's only real. Yeah, only, only real. Only it's actually. Only real. True for this yeah. one. Um, no, uh, you know, our, our friend Mike Maniscalco said before the season he thinks this team is good enough to make the playoffs, but the way the divisions are aligned, he doesn't you. think the Hurricanes can get into that top. Yeah, and, I mean, look, everybody knows that the Capitals are going to bring it in the regular season. Yep. They're, I mean, they're going to be very tough to top in the regular, in the regular season. season. Yeah. Yep. Let's move to basketball. Let's do. Uh, last Friday was late night with Roy. Disappointed a little bit in it. I, I wanted full WWE, and we didn't it quite didn't get happen. that. This Friday, Duke and NC State do their preseason kickoff events. Yep. 
uh, are these good? Do we like these things, or is, is it kind of stupid? Um, they were a lot cooler when you know Lefty Drizel, I believe, gets credit for kicking it off at Maryland when he figured out you know when they set rules and they'd say what the first day of practice is. You know, I'm sure whoever set the rule said, yeah, teams can start practicing at 8 a.m. that morning. But he's the one who figured out, no, the day starts at midnight, and that's when I have that practice. I think I still remember going to uh, a, a late night event in the Dean Dome as a young kid when mm -hmm. it's now the event probably started at 11 but technically the way they would work it is the players wouldn't do any practice until 12 um, so it, no once we've gotten away from that they're a little too cheesy that was the um, organic way to do it and if we're not going to do it like that yep. we shouldn't do it and it was cooler you know, now they probably talk to each other and like UNC and Duke probably secretly agree to not do theirs on the same night right. so they can both get the ESPN highlights for that night or whatever uh, which is even more like cheesy. I'd want them to be going like head to head and both be having it at midnight uh, or, or you know, in NC State too. So no, I'm not a fan. Somebody needs to figure out a new cool way to do it uh, based on whatever the NCAA rules are now. It, and it needs to be another way to stick it to the NCAA, which I feel like was Levy was, yeah, was the, was the, the initial place. way. The, the big story uh, last weekend at Big Blue Madness, which is Kentucky's preseason event, was Drake was there wearing a Kentucky dad hoodie for whatever reason. Okay. Are you going to be disappointed this Friday night if Jeff Capel is not wearing a Kentucky dad hoodie to show all of the recruits on the court that – we, I, I like more like subtle shade like that in my uh, in in my sports in general because especially you could see Jeff Cable and Drake then playfully beefing about it on Twitter right. back and forth too. So like I will 100% be disappointed. And as we know, Jeff Cable is probably the most rap aware, uh, you know, high profile assistant coach in the, certainly in the area if not the country. Um, who, where we, he was spotted, our Brian Geisinger I think spotted him at uh, Hopscotch Fest. Mm -hmm. At, uh, at the big boy show. At big boy, yep. um, so, yes, we know that he's in the know and very aware of what Drake's doing. So uh, an answer uh, on the court would be would be something good. Last question for you. We've got ACC Media Day coming up soon. Uh, David Padgett announced yesterday that he's officially going to coach the Louisville team this year because Rick Pitino's been officially fired now. Yep. Uh, do we need to bring him some kind of a welcome gift? And if so, what do we bring? I think we definitely should bring him a welcome gift. Um, you thought of this question, so my guess is you're going to have a funnier answer than, than I do for this one. But I, I would say maybe do we get him his own white suit? Um, I was going to try and make some joke about, like, should we present him with a, a knife before, you know, Patino sticks one in his back uh, on his way out the door or something, you know? Like, here's a knife that you can actually use as opposed to the one that, that Patino's going to stick in your back. But, no, I, uh, what, I'm, I'm hoping I'm, – I'm putting pressure on you, Swain. What would be a good gift for uh, Padgett? Uh, I, I didn't have uh, an answer, but we could get in. We could invite him to, to uh, Uptown Cabaret with us. Can we get him a, a nameplate? You know how it's got the nameplate with Louisville and the ACC logo and it's got his name on there? Can we yep. get him one that – says like coach to be instead of coach two it's like he's replaced uh, or two dot oh two dot one uh, coach dash two yeah. for the uh, as, as read in the report yeah. um also is, is he full on head coach or is he like interim staff? He's, he's the interim i think everyone at louisville actually has interim in front of their name just for the, for the next little AD, bit just, just to be everyone yeah just, just be everyone's got just interim interim. yeah all students are interim students at this point now a lot a lot of influx yeah. up there at, but i do wonder what he was doing because you've got uh patino was obviously fired Every other assistant on the staff was fired, but then Paget is the interim guy. What was he yeah. doing before? I, yeah, was he just not? In the, <laughs> he, was, you know, he was the guy in, uh, you know, Die Hard 2. 
How well do you know Die Hard 2? Please be with Okay. Talk about it. All right. You know, the, you got the, the main terrorist guy is like the white dude that's doing yep. naked yep. Uh, yoga yep. the thing. Yep. Of it. Then you come to find out later there's a Marine unit that's also in it with them. And you think they're brought in to stop him, but really they're part of the game, right? right. But at the last minute, one of their crew got subbed out. So one guy on, you know, they're led by that black, the black dude is yep. leading that unit. Yep. One guy on that unit is a fill-in. So he doesn't know. He's really, yeah. So he thinks we're the, he's with the good guys, right? And at the last minute, he's like, man, I wish I could have been with you guys at that last thing. And like, he's like, yeah, me too. So yeah. then I wouldn't have to do this. Yeah. That's Paget. He he really was. He was thrown in the unit. He didn't realize he was in with the unit of the bad guys. And unfortunately, <laughs> he got out before they slit his throat on the uh, on the truck. But I do worry about his psyche because he was obviously left out of a lot of things. Uh, like he probably he thought he was down with the other coaches. And, and then it turns out he didn't know. Yeah, he he wouldn't get invited to any of the stripper parties. <laughs> right. He's like, what? You guys had stripper parties without me? He wasn't getting any bribes. <laughs> like, all these guys are driving better cars and, like, better suits. And he's like, what? man. He's like, I just, I keep working harder. Just keep my nose to the ground. But he doesn't know about it until now. So I'm picturing a scene where they're, like, hanging out in Patino's office. And he's like, oh, what are you guys doing after practice? No, nah, we're just going to go home. We're just going to go home. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a late night. We're just going to go home. No, or, or I like him sitting there and be like, no, like, we, we definitely didn't take bribes, right, guys? guys? And they're like, uh, another one of these. Um, random connection, I like to call it six degrees of haze. Paget's sister is my niece's history teacher in Raleigh, North Carolina. Yeah. She's a first year teacher, and hopefully, she is getting no publicity or harassment because of this and hopefully I won't add to that because she deserves to just be a sister totally unrelated to the uh, <laughs> the Louisville case but it was just an odd connection that I couldn't help not noting after my niece texted me about it well that's it for hate eight headlines hate headlines as well hate headlines uh Andrew Carter coming a in next Andrew Carter speaking of hate Andrew Carter it's not someone we hate he just gets a lot of it a lot. for his coverage for, of from UNC. UNC fans from state fans from, from all Virginia of them Tech fans. we'll talk about red pants we'll talk about the UNC investigation. We'll talk about a lot of things with the man known as Skinny, Andrew Carter from the News and Observer up next. Joining us today in the Sports Channel 8 studios in Durham, North Carolina. City. <laughs> throw it up. I'll let Swain throw you it up. You can't do that. <laughs> I don't even know what that is there. Okay. <laughs> in the Bull City, Durham, North Carolina, Sports Channel 8 Studios, we have a special guest from a competitive news site, but yet we uh, we are still very friendly with our man Andrew Carter. I, should I say formerly the beat writer for UNC? Or are you I'm still, still there, the man. We're going to talk about he's still on the evolving role. Through early December, I uh, think. Or maybe mid-December. I don't know. We're trying to figure that out. We'll get into your specific background. But I know schooled in Raleigh, yep. uh, Wake County Public Schools, yeah. NC State University, and then yep. has been uh, a, a newspaper man, basically. <laughs> um, like got this Clark Kent glasses there uh, at many different places, including Rocky Mount, Rocky Mount, Tampa. Uh -huh. Is that another place? Uh, Orlando. There. Orlando. Yeah. Sorry, Orlando I knew Florida in there. Yeah. Uh, and then, and, and Swain, what are you doing? I'm going to take this off. You couldn't have done that before. You didn't want to be the only one with yep. the yard. Um, and now, in a long time role with the News and Observer, doing many different things. 
he has had an interesting seat by being the beat writer at UNC. Oh, yes. He has not only covered a lot of basketball and football and other things, but he's sort of been in the front perch for what we will call the UNC NCAA scandal slash investigation, which is now over and no one will ever talk about again. It's nope. done. <laughs> so we thought he'd be a, we'd be a great person to have in here to talk some specifically about the details of uh, of how that of what we found out last week, but also just to talk about his experience covering that event, going through it. Um, de- dealing with fans, readers, coaches, administrators, everyone. So I, I thought we were just going to break down UNC Virginia Tech this weekend. <laughs> that, that's, that would be a pretty short conversation. Uh, scrap all that prep because, uh, yeah, we're not talking about that at all. But first, Andrew Carter, just welcome, welcome, welcome. How are you doing? Doing great, guys. And uh, Hayes and Ben, thank you. I'm a big fan of Sports Channel 8. And uh, it's an honor to be here in this space with you guys. I really like how well-appointed it is here with the decorations. Well, you fit well in. Yeah, look, look at that. you bringing your own ACC <laughs> championship, <laughs> Dr. Pepper yeah. Sweat, keeping it on brand. <laughs> look at that, keeping it in the ACC. But yeah, this is good. Um, I'm a big fan of what you guys do. Thank you very much, and you have been a, a, a supporter of ours. We really appreciate it. All our friends in the media have been great to us because we try to be great to them as well. Um, we just want to be part of the gang. Also, f- also obvious. <laughs> Our friends in the media and <laughs> First question for Andrew Carter. Uh, I hear you called Skinny. Yeah. Julio well, uses yeah, that. Joe uh, Julio, your your uh, <laughs> friend, colleague at the NNO, uses that a lot. He does. Did he come up with that? Where does it come from? Do you like it? Is, is it, it is just it so an, people uh, can tell us apart? Is that <laughs> the, only, the only reason? I, say, I think, uh, yeah. Tell story about yeah, Skinny. You know, I started at the NNO in, let's see, it's been almost six years, uh, November 2011. And I think uh, it took Joe maybe a couple of weeks to come up with that. You know, Joe has nicknames for everybody, which you guys probably know about this. I mean, some of them are more obvious or name-based. Uh, Keels. Yeah, Keels, Gottman. Never called Mark Gottfried Mark or Gottfried. It was always the Gottman. Yeah, well, we know somebody like that, too, <laughs> who may, may or may not have picked it up from Julia. Yeah, and so Joe is just, you know, he's one of those guys who's like a big nickname guy. Uh, that he, you know, you could probably make like an SNL skit out of his affinity for nicknames, just calling people different things. And uh, I'm skinny. I'm the skinniest. That's what he started calling me about six years ago. And I've not really become non-skinny during that time, I guess. I might have put on maybe five pounds or so. I'm proud of that. Hit in the weight room. Um, <laughs> but yeah, basically, uh, yeah, past six years, I've been I've been the skinniest or skinny, and I'll take it. No, What's I, Julio's I, nickname? I've been called much him? worse. You know, I don't know if Joe has a nickname that we've come up with for him. Um, I don't. I don't think. Speaking of, the, I don't think Julio likes to talk about names that much. He yeah, used, no, that's true. Yeah, we'll, that's, we'll, uh, maybe that's, we'll have him on another time. We'll, we'll talk. We'll talk. Yeah, that. yeah, he has an interesting story with that for sure. Um, but but it's an endearing nickname. So yeah, you, it's you endearing. Like I like it. it. Okay. Yeah, I like it, and it's spread too. See, I, I didn't know. Like I didn't know other if people have adopted it. Obviously, you have a you know a svelte yeah, physique, svelte, you know. but I didn't know if it was a shot at skinny jeans, which could be like I, you a, know what though. I think that I think that was part of it. I think that was part. Of it because uh, yeah I mean I wear pants that fit me and I am skinny and so, so I think, therefore I think the, yeah the, exactly uh, yeah, and so I think the whole skinny jeans thing I think was part of it way and, back in the day and people do care a lot about the clothes you wear right people do I've noticed that you've here. gotten a lot I, of been comments. a big topic I, <laughs> got a lot of comments about I wearing have. red well especially years ago uh, <laughs> I, you know I made how did the, that start did it become a controversy at one specific <laughs> oh, game oh boy well okay. so just so and generally speaking we should it's, uh, we should clear this up I'm let's gl- do it we're gonna talk about the red pants saga with Andrew Carter let's do it right here I'm glad you brought this up okay. 
because, yes, I did have at one point a pair of – I still have them. I just don't really wear them very often. Um, but years ago, I feel like more more uh, multicolored pants were kind of in style. Sure. In menswear, right? I mean, there were reds. There were green. I have a yellow pair of pants. Yep. So UNC's football season opener against Elon in 2012, I wore red pants. You know, I'm not thinking oh, I'm going to wear red pants because I, I went to NC State or, yeah. you know, I'm a fan. Like, I, I like the pants. And, right? and, oh, and, <laughs> and truth be told, some colors become you can't wear them because yep. you, you got to be neutral, right? Right. And so, I, you know, like, so at a UNC Carolina Elon. Blue, yep. an Elon who's like garnet and gold or something are. like I, that. I didn't even know what Elon a, was. A, yeah, red pants were a neutral right. color. Yeah, it was clear that you weren't yeah, cheering for either right. team. Yeah. I would never wear red pants to a UNC State event. Like, of course. I'm, I'm smarter than that. Of course. Like, give me some credit. I mean, it's funny. We watched, uh, we watched the ACC staff have to do, like, jumping jacks on ACC tournament days. They have these, like, off greens. Right. right. These weird purples yeah. that, like, you know, that exactly. they have They're very just cognizant. to be neutral. And what if somebody went and found it? was like, wait, is that, is that Coastal Carolina green there? Yeah. Are you repping another conference? So it was a UNC Elon football game. The season opener 2012. I wore these red pants. But since then, it's taken on a life of its own. Like, if you go on, you know, the, the message boards for UNC fans, <laughs> Inevitably, like, you know, two, three, five times a year, this comes up, and it's like a thread about how, you know, Andrew Carter wore red pants at a <laughs> UNC State basketball game. I saw him down. Like, it, like no, it, this happened one time. Dude. People made such an uproar over it. I was like, man, whatever. I don't need this mental grief in my life. I won't do it again. I wasn't even really thinking about anything. Did they, think it was, they thought it was like Jeff Hornacek shouting at his, his kids <laughs> at the free throw line. It was like, there he is, Andrew Carter, a subtle fist bump. Yeah. Just so from, from press row. People still bring that up because it's morphed into this thing that it never was, like in terms of me wearing these pants at various UNC, NC State competitions. And then the other funny thing that happened, too, is I did wear a like a reddish sweater one time to a UNC basketball game when they played Syracuse. And then people accused me of wearing orange, uh, Syracuse orange. And literally there was a guy from the upper deck at the Smith Center who took a picture of me on press row and posted it on the Inside Carolina message boards. And I believe there was like a Hashtag double... Hashtag no filter. Yeah, I believe yeah. there was like a double-digit page Had to take a about <laughs> my sweater. And literally like one of their... Uh, I, don't, I won't embarrass the guy, but... One of their esteemed posters who's been there for a long time, who happens to be the editor of a, a smaller newspaper in the state, like emailed me several times about this, being like, how can you do this, man? Like, look at this orange sweater that you're wearing. What are you doing? And I'm like, it's, it's not. It wasn't orange. <laughs> so that was a controversy, too. But, yeah, I've noticed that people really care about about what I wear. I don't, you know, maybe it's a compliment that they're noticing. I don't know. Controversy aside, you do tend to dress <laughs> on the nicer side. Do you think there should be press box etiquette? I do. You know, I really do. Uh, some people might disagree with that, but I feel like for me, I look at it like, and maybe I take this too seriously, perhaps. But, you know, I think this is my profession. This is my job. And, you know, I try to I try, I try to respect the biz, as they say, on, no. a, on a certain podcast uh, in a literal way. I mean, I, you know, I feel like, you know, we should look presentable. You know, I'm not saying you have to wear a suit sure. or a tie everywhere. You know, sometimes I wear ties, especially in football season or for, like, a better basketball game, ACC tournament. But, yeah, I like classing it up. You do the same, too, Hayes. Like, I like your style when you show up. I appreciate it. I try yeah, to. Usually, if you, throw a, if you throw a blazer on, you can hide that yeah. you're wearing maybe jeans and maybe yeah, even a T-shirt. For sure. But, I, you know, you look around sometimes at a press box. 
sucks. At and least it put can a little be, thought into it. It yep. can, you know, it can be a little bit embarrassing, I think, in terms of looking around, being like, well, I mean, do we want our work environment to be defined by Sean Crest? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, we don't. I, I do want to point out two things. <coughs> I want to point yeah, out two so things quickly. One is, and I'm going to turn this around so they can see. <laughs> In, in 2009, I believe, UNC wore throwback uniforms that had a red stripe on them. Oh, my goodness. So, oh, look, oh, look at that. Wow. So, uh, Carter wonder, was actually being a UNC homer <laughs> when he wore those that. red pants. I wonder and, how that went over. And, uh, and, and, and two fashion at Duke games it's a little bit different because you have to wear clothes that you don't mind getting ruined oh, correct that's true yeah that's like true. when I go to Cameron once a year for basketball I wear like an old shirt or an old sweater I don't care about yep. so I can just absorb the blue paint and, and not care about yep. that I've got some rough and tumble jackets that I've used that for too <laughs> um, you got a question while well, I'm looking at another one <laughs> let, let, let me do, awkwardly throw that uh, I, I definitely can so you know one thing we talked about before we went on air was uh, you know fans on Twitter, right? Oh boy, yeah. And we just talked about it with the outfits, etc. But you got a lot of uh, I wouldn't even want to see your mentions on on social media no, for the wouldn't. past <laughs> seven years, six seven years. Oh, you've been on the UNT beat what five years? Is that uh, right? No, November two thousand eleven. Yeah, so really okay. six. It's we're coming up on the six year anniversary. So so when you get somebody that responds to you, the the thought process of do I reply to this like a serious reply do i put this guy on blast for what he said to me or do i just completely totally ignore it. it how does that thought process go through all right so <laughs> that's that's a very and, and has it question. evolved it like, has it there? has evolved uh and i do feel like i've become uh more mature or maybe more apathetic about the, some of the grief that i get on twitter and also like i've muted a large number of people. It's very and, helpful. And, yeah, and or blocked. Very, so also like a lot, well, the, the block is a bad business move. It is right? a bad, right. So I've, I've learned that. Yeah. Like I recently basically unblocked essentially everyone I had blocked and I gave and them a chance. And then remuted them. And then, yeah. like, and then inevitably like some of these people I had blocked, like they reminded me about why I had them blocked. But then I just muted them because like you said, it is a bad business move because some of these people who are so passionate about, you know, talking junk to you on Twitter, they're going to read your stuff. Yep. Because they want to know what you have to say. Say. Yep. Uh, so yeah, like I've I've gone away from blocking people. But Wait, yeah, you mean you mean when they say I'm never going to read you again, they don't actually stop. <laughs> those are the, those again? are the people who constantly <laughs> click on your <laughs> stuff and give it a read. Yeah. So it's amazing. Yeah, so I've learned that. But yeah, like it is kind of an evolution. It has been an evolution for me because I feel like I was much more immature back in the day, where I would let that stuff really bother me and I would snap back in a serious way. I try to have more fun with it now. Yep. The past week or so, you know, has been interesting with the ruling that came out, and obviously there's been a lot of UNC supporters who are very happy about that, who think that that vindicates what happened there. And, you know, uh, because nothing happened, right. clearly uh, it was a wild goose chase. You guys, this stuff, is all a made up story. Like so I've, nothing actually happened. Yes, right. Yes, so I've, yes. I've, I've taken, Makes sense. I've taken on a couple of those folks because, you know, that's not really the reality. I mean, I've, I've debated a couple of these people, um, but yeah, like, I feel like I've gotten better about letting that stuff roll off. You have to, because like that stuff, I mean, it gets toxic after a while. And there have been times in the past six years where I've had to force myself like not to look at my mentions and I've gone days without even looking mm -hmm. at it you know during during certain stressful times because if you don't like it really I mean it's strangely it does wear on your psyche after a while to get this non-stop constant hate I mean you know I I'm just a guy who covers this stuff, but it's made me sympathize with like players and stuff and the yeah. kind of stuff that they get mm -hmm. and coaches 
Um, but at least for like, a, you know, a Roy Williams, he loses a game and there's tons of comments on a message board about how he should be fired, which sometimes there are. At least he's getting paid millions of dollars to put up with that stuff. Like, they don't pay me enough and money he doesn't to even sometimes have a computer, put up with some of the right. stuff that I get. <laughs> right, and he doesn't look at it. Yeah, yeah. he uses a rotary phone right, and, and like, a typewriter. You know, we're forced to be on Twitter for our jobs. <laughs> right. And like, um, you know, sometimes it's like almost like a mental occupational hazard to an extent. Now, you, think, you think it's somebody, uh, exactly what you said, where some people get that level, but they're paid to get it at that level. They, right. You know, yeah. I mean, well, whether they be leaders or whatever. I look at, you know, I guess a colleague of yours, because now technically, you know, the Charlotte Observer and the News Observer are one. But Jordan Rodriguez, oh, terrible. Whatever her, like, whatever her mistakes were, and I don't, right. I didn't find any in the press conference. Obviously, she had some other mistakes sure. that then got dredged up. But right. whatever her role was, she didn't ask to be put in a position and never had any yeah, sense like, that that she could just by being, you know, referred to by Cam Newton could be touched on in that right, way. Right. Yeah, and that was. Way over the top. It's crazy, the, crazy the, to watch. We talked talked well, about. We that went song. through that here. Right? Yeah, there was there was another local beat writer uh, who had an unfortunate event in their past that was yeah. brought up literally every time, time this person said yep. something bad about a certain college fan base. Yep. Right? Yep. That's just uh, that's just you know, it's a reality of kind of what we do in the landscape these days. But it does it does kind of suck, and you do have to be mature about it to an extent and either ignore it or come up with a clever way to, to respond. I mean, I, you know, I try to have some fun with it at times, mm -hmm. but at times it just gets to be so negative that you don't even want to look at it. Or That's why it. Hayes and I have been careful not to ever do anything <laughs> wrong. <laughs> did, uh, did you ever get a warning, verbal or otherwise, from your bosses about how you handled stuff online? Um... You know, I can't really think of an instance where that's Good. happened. There's been a couple times where, like, my, my main sports editor at the NNL will be like, you know, Andrew, just kind of let this go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, no kind of formal reprimand or anything like that or no order, like, you need to stop interacting with people. But, yeah, certainly, that, you know, sometimes people I work with, colleagues in the media or an editor might be like, you know what, man, just forget about yep. this. Like, there's no there's no point in it. <laughs> and is there, you know, and I don't – I don't – downplay people who get threatened with death or physical harm online but oftentimes sometimes that's overblown where you can tell they're not viable death threats is there is there a worst moment you thought of where, where you really were you know uh, is it just the volume or was it really like man i can't believe you know that this guy would say this or oh, that, man, that's a good question uh off the top of my head i can't think of anything uh, especially crazy yeah um, just kind of run of the mill crazy. Yeah. You know, nothing, nothing too crazy. You know, I've never gotten like a death threat or anything like that. Um, not that I would be concerned if some guy on Twitter. Oh, <laughs> nice. Oh, that's good. So <laughs> yeah, he, 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 he hadn't been threatened yet, but if you want to, step. And guess what? We got his back too. She got to get through us. <laughs> right. Yeah, like, yeah, it's just been, you know, it's been run of the mill nonsense. Hey, while we're talking the UNC stuff, I noted on Thursday night before we pre presumably were going to get the, the penalties unless got pissed put you back another week uh you said i believe you said i've you know, started i've written the outline for three different I did, stories yeah, I did. and i have no idea which way it was going to no go what, what were the three stories i assumed you know they get nothing they get slammed or something in between was right it, yeah i had i'm a, trying to think what the third one yeah i had a um, and you really had no no guess after following all this stuff I had all the a, way through. you know i had a slight guess. i mean if you go back and read my well no one would do this ever well i would do but like if you, <laughs> if you went like deep into my twitter the, the documentary when the documentary gets made <laughs> yeah. they're going to find everything you ever <laughs> tweeted about it. Don't worry. All right. So after the uh, hearing in Nashville, you know, UNC officials went to Nashville to meet with the Committee on Infractions. 
you know, from talking to a few people, I got a sense that UNC thought that hearing went very well. There was no discussion of penalties in that hearing, which is sort of abnormal because normally the committee, you know, they do discuss sanctions and possible penalties with the school. There was none of that. And from the people I talked to, they seem to think that, like, the committee really listened to UNC's arguments in the case, which the main argument, of course, was this is not an NCAA matter. Uh, and so after that hearing, I think I got back one night and I tweeted out something like, I would be surprised if men's basketball and football got some serious sanctions. Um, you know, so that was something I put on the record and out there. But then as, you know, as it went on, you start second-guessing that, and you're thinking, well, I mean, there's been three NOAs. Uh, you know, Greg Sankey, who was a pre presiding chairman of this case, basically kicked the case back to the enforcement staff to kind of strengthen the NOA, yep. which led to NOA 3. And so then you're kind of thinking, like, logically, like, I mean, this has been going on for three years, this NCAA investigation. Is the Committee on Infractions really not going to hit UNC with anything? And so that's why I was surprised when nothing happened. I mean, my three versions of the story that I wrote were, you know, UNC gets gets hammered. Postseason bans, vacation of victories, a banner's coming down. I was prepared for that. I had like a medium version. Will you, will you put that under glass and like sell it to, like on eBay to somebody on Pitt? I have it. You know, I, mean, I, I have that. I have like, I, you know, I, somewhere I have a... You, for charity. We, we're going to put it up for, for, for auction. Somewhere I have a... I just, uh, just want to read this story. It's fan fiction. I just want to read it. It is. It's interesting. Well, I have fan erotic literature. It's it. I mean, I have a UNC wins the national championship story in 2016 before Jenkins hits the shot. Oh, wow. And UNC beats Duke before Austin Rivers. We need, a, we need a book of Andrew yeah. Carter's yeah. greatest lost stories. Right. It's so like the t-shirts <laughs> that get shipped to Africa for, for is, poor yeah. uh, poor communities. Now you can, uh, but you actually have them. So I had a, and then I had like a medium one, like, you know, maybe a postseason ban, some scholarship cuts. And then I had like a light one, which to me, like UNC getting off lightly before they got off with nothing. <laughs> uh, it, you know, that would have been like a fine probation. I thought at least they would get that. Yep. Um, but, you know, it, I had to adjust my... How do you not throw probation on something? Yeah, I didn't even think about probation. Yeah. Like, probation. Just do it. So, yeah, just you know, just that's to like, say on they would, they would have like gotten a little bit of their credibility by yeah, act, and but just say like, probation. And to say you did fine. something. And that's yeah, the, that's the ultimate wrist slap penalty is like yeah. the probation. Yeah. So I thought, well, all right, at least I'll get probation. But then it service. came out. I mean, I had to read the thing four or five times. If you go back to my timeline, I was a little bit slow putting it out there on Twitter because I'm like reading it four or five times, making sure I have it right. Because that's not something you want to mess up. I, yeah. I didn't want to tweet, UNC has no sanctions, and then missed it. Like, oh, well, right, right. actually there's this. A Julius Niagara five-year show cause that, yeah. that, that, that really hammered him with that, you know? Yeah, so I, you know, I had those versions, and I, I certainly had to adjust my, uh, my, my UNC gets off light versions. Excellent. Um, did it, was there anything along the way that was uh, that was most surprising? I know that's another like broad you question. Know, to me, like I was most not even in like the conclusion, but just like, yeah, man, like, I can't believe this happened or this. Yeah, yeah, the, like I, you know, honestly, I was most surprised by the fact that the NCAA reopened this case in 2014. Um, because almost based on the same arguments they fit finished, oh, right. ended up making. Yeah, like if I they worked hard at it, should they even start like, it? You know, I think. UNC had a great legal defense, right? And I know Jay Billis might disagree with me, but I think you know UNC clearly lawyered up here. They had a great legal defense. They spent a lot of money. It was not as simple as university saying this is not an NCAA matter. I mean, they spent eighteen million dollars. <laughs> like if it was that simple, they could have saved <laughs> right, right. millions of dollars, right? They had a great, smart legal defense. It was appropriate, right? They were correct. Um, but yeah, like one of their aspects of the defense was that the NCAA looked at this situation between two thousand eleven and two thousand four. 
14, the first half of that year, before they reopened the case, and they determined several times this was not an NCAA matter. Like, you know, UNC had the Hartland Andrews internal report back in 2012. They had the Martin report, you know, which people have criticized, obviously. Um, but still, there were these internal reviews. There were the reporting that Dan Kane did for us. I mean, there's a lot out there where if the NCAA thought that this was an NCAA matter, it would have gotten involved, I think, way sooner. Yeah. So when the NCAA reopened the case in 2014, that to me was surprising because I'm like, well, what really, what changed here? And I think the Weinstein report did it for them. And that was when the Weinstein report investigation was going on. Uh, but yeah, I was surprised by that, just that they reopened the case because to me, nothing ever really changed. And then I was surprised by the first NOA, which said nothing of academic misconduct or academic fraud. And then that's when I realized kind of like, well, what is the NCAA's case going to be here? Yeah. I mean, you know, they try to make it this impermissible benefits case. And to me, that never made much sense. No. Like it, it was either going to be academic misconduct slash fraud or the NCAA didn't have a case. Yeah. And so I was surprised by those two things. Number one, that they reopened it. And two, kind of how they framed the, the allegations throughout. So now that the investigation is over and, and everything's done, and UNC doesn't have to spend any more money on legal defense, will they go back to spending money on defensive recruits for football? <laughs> man, that is that's that's rough. That is rough. Man. That's I mean, well, their football team is a lot better than right? they They're uh, really good when this thing started. Well, they need some offensive recruits. Yeah, this year. I mean, the defense has actually strangely been playing. So spread well. the money around. Yeah, spread, spread the money around. around. Yeah, spread the money spread around. The money around, around here. Uh, I hope. I hope not though for my sake and the sake of uh, Joe Giglio. Joe Giglio, who's going to be covering UNC for us soon, dealt with this once before with John Blake. So for his sake, I'm hoping that uh, that, that does not happen. And his, his nickname for Butch was Sam I Am, I believe, right? <laughs> Sam I Am, yeah. yeah. And John Blake had an interesting nickname too back in the day. <laughs> yeah, yeah that that we didn't come up with and was, we don't use no. at all. We don't, no, use, we don't do that. <laughs> um, speaking of, uh, of Giglio being on the UNC beat, We've heard rumors, or has it been confirmed, that, that there's some beat shuffling going around? There and some is. Job yeah, that's, shuffling. That's confirmed. Can, yeah. I think uh, yeah. I can. Update update us with specifically with what you're going to be doing at the News and Observer, as okay. you can describe it, and uh, and you know how uh, how the beat shuffling affects people's workloads over there. Not workloads, but just, yeah, just their jobs life. Yeah. That. Yeah. So I'm going to be moving into kind of a well, you know, they call it a investigative sports reporter. I think that's technically my my job. Now that we realized. How how much is going on at these schools <laughs> and you know with with you know a, uh, more going on with adidas and the fbi who knows what might right. come up there right. could be more work for you but yeah, yeah sorry. for sure i mean it's going to be less on field reporting less going to games and writing stuff off practices and you know features about guys and this and that and more kind of like an outside the lines approach to to sports stories. But, you know, I'm excited about it. It's something I've wanted to do for a while. We talked about this job over the summer, and it didn't quite come through. The timing didn't work. Um, you know, but some examples of some things that I could be doing, you know, we're going to be working on a, a series about concussions and football. You know, UNC is one of the epicenters for concussion research. Mm -hmm. uh, Kevin Guskowitz, who's one of their deans over there, is one of the foremost concussion researchers in the country. He's working with the NFL on a lot of stuff. 
you know, so that's a story. Uh, you know, an example would be of something I might do would be about the ECU football player who wound up murdered in a parking lot over the summer yep. outside of Bahama Breeze. Yeah, we haven't really done anything with that, but I think that could be potentially you know a fascinating story about what happened to him and, yep. and how that happened. Um, you know, so stuff like that, kind of like the intersection of news and sports. Would your um, and if you haven't checked it out, you need to. And it, it's it's kind of been the kickoff of now a whole movement uh, with. Uh, uh, I want to say West Durham, but Woody Durham yeah. um, did just an unbelievable piece. The one just written, it was, Thank it was you, yeah. multimedia, yeah, uh, writing, well. video, photography, all this stuff, so, sort of telling the story of uh, of Woody Durham's struggle with aphasia. Right. Uh, so would that be an example of something, too? That Potentially. Would you say outside the lines? Yeah, that would, yeah, that would, would be. Say, investigative um, sounds like. Oh man, coaches are going to be scared when Andrew Carter <laughs> right. calls. But when I hear out right. the lines, it sort of it could be both sides that telling stories. Right. And sometimes it will be diving into something needs to be dove right. into. Yeah. But sometimes yeah, I don't also know. just yeah, a good That's story. a good question about whether the Woody story would qualify for that. I mean, I would make the argument that it would. But I mean, I, you know, I imagine that I'm going to be beholden more to an editor who kind of gives me more assignments. Like I've had a lot of freedom, and that's one thing that, you know I'll, I'll be giving up a little bit of in my new role because covering UNC kind of, you know, most of what I've done has been my idea. Yep. You know, certainly the Woody Project was something that I pursued that I thought was a great story to Which do. Which makes sense. Nobody, nobody, uh, no other editor is in the team as much. Right, as yeah. So I don't know if, are, like, yeah. I don't know if they would consider that too soft of a feature or not newsy enough or whatever, but, you know, I, hopefully I can do those kind of stories every now and then. Well, clicks justify everything. It had to be, right. yeah, it I'm got, assuming yeah, it, was, it got decent it clicks. It, 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 got, well it got a lot. About, yeah, that was actually one of our most well-read stories. And well done. So, yeah, it gets clicks, okay? People <laughs> like nice stories. Since we're on the topic Topic of, of media, how's, how's Dan Kane doing? Is he doing he's, okay? You know, as far as I know, he's doing well, man. He didn't I mean, sound he was, great on this teleconference. He really man. didn't. He, he sounded, <laughs> sounded a little stressed out. He was in. Is he okay? He was in California okay. last week when this broke. I'm not sure if he's back in or not, but he was uh, he was on vacation. He had to take time off of vacation to kind of hop on this. Uh, you know, I know people aren't going to believe it, but I generally don't think that Dan had like a rooting interest. Sure. I think Dan, like a lot of us, are just kind of like questioning, you know, how this whole thing happened. Not just the, the ruling, but questioning like, well, how did this whole situation happen at UNC with these classes? And I think he's been very curious about it. And any kind of any skepticism, I think that you could interpret you know, from his questions or his tone, I think is just a result of maybe his curiosity and just kind of his bewilderment. I, the, also do, I think people need to understand that there are a lot of things that you guys know and are aware of that you can't print. Yeah. And oh yeah. we obviously with the NCAA, there's a lot that they might know that they can't do anything about or can't right. prove. And, and so I'm sure some of the frustration or bewilderment comes from like, dude, I like I know exactly what I can't say it, but I know what I I know what's going on, and and uh, I think people need to understand that too when they think about for sure a, a Dan Kane who was not somebody that was out to get UNC, but no, was, and was like just writing a really and interesting. Well, and story. I think if it, I think his skepticism of some of the answers that were being given has clearly been justified. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like go back yeah. to the first questions he started answer asking right. that that clearly we found answers to that that were correct, and he I mean, you know he. Obviously, his investigation, uh, you know, and work on it has been justified by right. what was discovered. And he asked a question <laughs> last week on the uh, on the UNC teleconference yep. with Bubba and, and Carol Folt and one of their attorneys, which was, I think, a perfectly justified question, which was, what what makes these classes legitimate? 
Right. And that's a question, frankly, no one at UNC has really ever given a tremendous answer to. And they kind of, you know, there was a few beats of silence when he asked that one. Um, can I put you on a story that Sports Channel 8 has, like, tried to take the lead on, but we don't have your chops as far as journalism? <laughs> All right, man. Let's, let's do it. I want the Julius Nyangara story. Well, yeah, that's obviously, that's a story that we've been trying to do. You know, with, I mean, I'm not giving anything away here. That's obviously something that I think any news organization would try to pursue that. You want some help? That, and, uh, you know, we'd love to talk with Debbie Crowder. Uh, Crow but Crowder's talked to somebody. Well, she talked to the NCAA. Right. You know, we have a transcript, at least, of her thoughts on what happened. Nyangora never has. Nyangora never got, has. And he got well, charges. Well, he talked to Weinstein, I think. I, did he go? I, I don't I think, think he so. talked to Weinstein. I think, I think so. the only person he talked to was the Orange County District Attorney. Maybe that was it. Who Curse. dropped charges and said, yeah. in agree, you know, you, you, can, I, can, we, can we do this? Can I do it, Swain? Yeah, drop it. You, you want my Julius Nyangora conspiracy theory? Let's hear it. Yeah, I'm interested. Julius Nyangora. Is a, and I, I used to know the term for it. I need to go look at all, all of this defense was had nothing to do with UNC. It was to protect this secret right here. He's not. A, he's not actually a college professor. Okay. He's an off. That's a that's a cover job. He's an off the book CIA agent who helps run. Uh, is it? Tanzania, whatever government he goes to and spends yeah. six months out of every year. He go, yeah, he's uh, he's overseas often. So the, the question would be, take everything about the UNC case out of it. Like, would you believe that we have those people, that we pay people to, to do work in other countries that we can't, you know, claim I, to do? I would believe it, yes. And, well, uh, and as, what, as soon as somebody stumbled upon what this job, thing that happened in his... What job would you give those people to give <laughs> them cover back in the United States that allowed them to travel to and from the, these countries? countries right. that they work in you would give them large state university professor jobs where there's really not much accountability for them at all other than to write and be knowledgeable about their the country he has a lot of autonomy and and uh and would those type of people never be pinned down by anyone on the record and when it actually came to like legal matters they would have them like curiously totally dismissed remember he was charged for taking money for teaching classes was, that yeah. he never taught yep. and I, my guess is the response was well guys you guys knew this was going like like yep. uh, you guys know i spent six months in Africa every year. I never teach classes. That, you know, like, so. I, well, yeah, I've heard like there's been rumblings about yeah. that basically. Being and maybe if, if he spoke to Kenneth Weinstein, would maybe you have brought in somebody that like is from the FBI slash Homeland Security office that maybe you could say Weinstein, Niagara's on this list over here. We can't really <laughs> be talking to him. Like, you know, maybe Weinstein has talked to him, but you know, so that, uh, you Andrew Carter. That's, uh, that's, you know what? I mean, it wouldn't necessarily there, shock me. There's crazy, crazier ones. So I don't want him to write that because I'd be concerned for his safety. He might end up dead <laughs> like, like exactly. Jen Wiley is. Exactly. Example, like, exactly. like Jennifer Wiley. Yeah, she's dead. gone. You end can't up, find her. Up in a barrel somewhere in the desert. <laughs> That's right. Um, all right. I any other thoughts about the UNC case you can take up with Andrew Carter on Twitter? Yeah, if you come please. out with him, you start with calling him like an idiot, loser, moron, and then ask your question, and you're likely to get a, a good response. Um, <laughs> I got a question for you. I, I assume, I, I've even observed this, that you have a professional relationship with, in this case, the school you follow, the, the communication staff, Steve Kirshner, oh, yeah. formerly Kevin Best yeah. um, at, at football. Um, Bobby, Bobby Hundley. Bobby and um, oh, Adam Lucas. <laughs> no, we'll leave that out of this. Um, but even, even, what if, are you guys trying to do to even if you have, you know, written negative things about the school or even if you've written some things that they, they, they may have disagreed with, what, you know, the, the, there would always be a professional relationship. And I've sure. observed that. What do you think, if I asked you, do you think Roy Williams likes you? Ooh, that's a good question. 
Um, you know, I, I, and I don't. I'm not I, saying uh, that it matters or that you care. I'm not I, suggesting you I do. I'm just I, curious I don't have about a great. I think Roy. Uh, I would like to think that he respects the job I've done yep. covering his team. That wasn't uh, the question. <laughs> but I don't know. Like you know, I would probably say no. I mean, I don't know if Roy cares. Like I, true. I, I don't think Roy thinks in those terms. Like I like this guy or that guy. Well, maybe some. And to be clear, I asked this question. Maybe this is, maybe some people this, he does. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if he thinks about me in those. I think he's neutral. And I know that's kind of a cop out answer. But I don't know if he has a strong opinion yeah. one way or the other. Like if he doesn't like me, he's never really given me an indication that that's the case. And if he does like me, he surely has never given. <laughs> <laughs> that's 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 a, that's a fair answer. I think. <laughs> so really, I have no way to gauge it. Yeah. Um, but it, like, I'll, I'll say this: like, there's been a couple times where, you know, let's see, I'm trying to remember where they were. There was some Thanksgiving tournament one time, and Roy through Steve Kirshner offered me a ride back on the team plane. Oh, gotcha. Huh. So I could that's make nice. it back for Thanksgiving, which I thought that was a very human, nice gesture. Uh, I wound up not needing it because I think I was going someplace else or whatever after that. Uh, but that was nice. I mean, you know, I think we're all human beings, and we all have our jobs to do, and I think Roy realizes what my role is. Whether he likes me or not, I don't know. Sure. <laughs> no, great. That's a great answer. Yeah. I do have one sports-related question, if, Sweet. That, if that's okay. Oh. So, all right, I'm going to go to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> UNC football this weekend, they're heading up to Virginia Tech with a lot on the line. A lot on the line what here. What is on the line here? Uh, it's, it's the first time they played since the hurricane game, right? So for Virginia Tech fans, uh, are they more concerned about losing the game and then they never get to talk about the hurricane game again or winning the game because then they never get to float Larry Fedora's name for every job opening that happens anywhere? <laughs> what is the bigger concern of Virginia Tech fans? Oh, boy. Uh, you know, prob I don't think there's any way they lose the game. Speaking of Virginia Tech, I just think UNC is kind of uh, – they're just depleted, man. I mean, what, what can you say? Like, they've got no guys left. Uh, so I don't know if there's that fear. I could, I could see the other one that you mentioned about not being able to float Fedora's name out there for jobs, I think, is one. But, you, you know, you mentioned the hurricane game. That is just such an interesting thing to me. And, I'm, you know, I've had some fun here with Virginia Tech fans in recent weeks because UNC this year, their offense is so anemic. You know, week after week, they're setting these records under Fedora for the like, right. lowest offensive output. But really the worst offensive game under Fedora is that one last year against a hurricane. So you always have to mention that in the context. Gotcha, gotcha. But then I say, well, that game happened in a hurricane. <laughs> and then the Virginia Tech fans come out of the woodwork and they're like, both teams played in the hurricane. <laughs> yeah, just, just trying to yeah, get context right, they how bad his right. offense So was. now I do it intentionally just to troll them, which <laughs> might not be very professional. It might not be very professional, just but... A hurricane game? Yeah. Hurricane game. Oh, yeah, it's like a complete dog was Both sides played. And I think finally they've realized that I'm just kind of being a jerk. But you know what? That's just kind of my, my fun little Twitter thing that I do. Well, we've talked about this. The the weird rivalries that have popped up in the ACC. You've yep. got Wake Forest and Louisville, which is, you know. The, the WikiLeaks rivalry. WikiLeaks. Somebody said something Wiki about Leaks, Lamar. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, there's just a weird rivalry there. Virginia Tech UNC is definitely one of those. It's huge. It's, it's, and like more so than I realize. Like there's a lot of venom between. I, don't, I think it's more on the Virginia Tech side. Does it yeah. go back to Beamer? I always said the Beamer, the, okay. it, like the fact that they have history pre, um, yeah. Beamer pre this leaving, stuff. Yeah, Beamer almost leaving Blacksburg. And then, you know, old school UNC people. Speaking of Woody Durham, I'll never forget when UNC played Virginia Tech in 2000. 
don't know. It was that it was whatever year it was where Beamer almost left. Right. And I was driving around somewhere. I think I was in college. And Woody's talking about how Virginia Tech, the Hokies, today coached by Frank Beamer. And last time we saw Frank Beamer in Chapel Hill, he had agreed to take the UNC job. And then he never called anyone back and said otherwise. <laughs> and that's how you lose respect for a man. <laughs> I love those kinds of things. Nice. Nice. I mean, you can yeah. hear Woody doing yeah. that. You can hear Gary Hahn yeah. doing that. Right. And then it's you can like, hear, uh, uh, Mike, and, yeah, Woody, Bob Harris doing that. Yeah. And Woody said that. And then he's like, all right, kickoff upcoming. Like, just because that was like his little aside before, uh, before the Part of the game. <laughs> so, yeah, I think like old school UNC people remember Frank Beamer spurning them or kind of giving them giving them the business and turning them that job in a <laughs> weird way. Yeah, so there's like a, a weird dynamic, I think, between Virginia Tech and UNC. I just, uh, that's how you lose respect for them. Yeah, I'll, never, I'll never forget that line. <laughs> no, was, it sounded like you, you knew was, it perfect. Yeah, like, I was driving. They never called was, anyone back. Yeah. And that's how you lose respect for them, man. Yeah, I was, just, I was like, wow, Woody. All right. All right. Final question for you. Um, like Swain and I, you've battled a lot in life. You're white, male, <laughs> oh, middle class. You know, we, we've, we've had it tough to, to get I've where we are, right? Road. But unlike us, you had a, a bigger hurdle and you've overcome it. <laughs> oh, What's life been like uh, being a redhead? And, uh, <laughs> and does it mean more to get where you've gotten, you know, despite, would, you despite know what, that? Though, I would consider myself a uh, like an Auburn head. Oh, come I'm on. Not like a, That's true. You're not, you're not you know, a freckled face, yeah, full like on, I, ginger. Um, I can't say. You're a little tan. Yeah, you're not pale enough. Well, I'm not tan let's, uh, yeah let's let's set the record straight on that one now but like i'm not like carrot top or or even really like a clay aiken who i went to high school with yeah. then clayton grissom so i don't know if i'm like a true redhead and i don't know if i've had like the true redhead experience certainly i have you know i would say i have red hair but uh you know it hasn't been tough for me gotcha i don't think i was ever picked on as a kid or anything that's like that. that's probably the best attitude to approach and, uh, it. yeah you yeah. know what i'm just kind of blind Deny that, that yeah. sort of thing anyway. yeah. i won't let it hold me down pass is blonde yeah that's that's <laughs> the way to, that's the way to get by um anything else swain nope that's it i just needed to know about his life as a redhead our, our man andrew carter hey thanks for the insight on your experience covering unc and the unc investigation and thanks for all the great work you do for folks in the triangle you don't hear it enough on twitter but you do great work and uh, we you. appreciate it not just as sports channel 8 but just as fans who've uh, read your stuff for a while so well thank you guys really appreciate the kind words and respect what you guys do and uh it's been fun thank you guys for having me andrew carter at the news and observer our guest sports channel 8 Ben Swain's trying to re-up on his parking because we are almost out of time here. Not in the studios, but the parking is a little tough. We're getting out of here. That's Ben Swain. I'm Ace Permar. Thanks to Andrew Carter for joining us. Thanks for watching. You can follow us uh, on Twitter at Sports Channel 8. Subscribe on iTunes. Listen on SoundCloud. Rate, review, all the good stuff. We are the Sports Channel 8 Podcast. We See out. you.